Thank you for listening to Women in Sports. This show is all about advancing the narrative for women in the sports industry. I'm one of the hosts, Erin Sinnott. And I'm Ashton Pills. This is a Rising Coaches-sponsored show that gives women in the sports industry the opportunity to tell their stories and talk about their experiences. Glad to have you listening along. Stay tuned. Women in Sports is brought to you by Rising Coaches. Rising Coaches is the biggest coaching tree in all of basketball. We have over 1,200 members of coaches who, from the high school all the way up to the professional level. Uh, and there's three things that we focus on. Community, relationships, and development. There's no straight line in this business. There's only ups and downs and peaks and valleys. And when you're going through them, it is crucial that you have a support system and a community who has been through the fires themselves that you can lean on and help you through those tough times. Genuine relationships. We put the premium on genuine, uh, not just exchanging phone numbers and speaking one time a year at the Final Four, uh, but rather creating relationships that will last a lifetime and help you both personally and professionally. And finally, and most importantly, development. We are constantly providing resources to our members so that they can work on their craft and add tools to their toolbox. The premise is this. If you sign up and become a member for Rising Coaches for just $120 a year, the relationships and the network will take care of themselves organically so that you can focus on working on your craft and better serving the people that you come in contact every single day as a coach. For more information, visit risingcoaches.com and sign up for a membership today. She had some some mouth work done, but she is going to power through this. We might have um, Adam kind of chime in every so often. But um, yeah, so just kind of the first question and how we want to get started, um, just based on everything that's going on, not only in the basketball world with, with COVID and everything being shut down, but as well as just our society as a whole, like, how are you, um, all handling that? Um, coach Hannah, if you just kind of want to start with, with what, what you're doing personally with everything going on. Yeah, I think, um, going back to kind of where, um, it was supposed to be spring break turned into coronavirus and end of the season and school and all of that, um, you know, it was kind of trying to find some type of routine and way to, in a way to stay engaged with our players, um, you know, and then obviously going going into everything um, in the past couple of weeks with what's been going on in the United States is now just trying to be a support system um, for your players and let you know that you're there for them. Definitely, definitely. Coach L, how about you? Yeah, really just taking it one day at a time. Um, at the high school level, we uh, completely shut down, went to virtual teaching. So, you know, on top of coaching, I do teach five classes. So trying to switch to virtual gear, get in contact with all 120 of my kids and being able to talk to the players as well um, with my AAU team and my high school team, um, trying to find a system of my own get into a routine and um so just one day at a time doing that now that the school year just ended um it's really just been uh getting into a system of trying to find other things to do other ways to learn work out and keep myself from going crazy in quarantine <laughs> counting down to Definitely. the what'd you say counting down until the next season right <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Also coach L how, um, are you guys able to like have zoom meetings with your teams? I know college, it's kind of like you're, you go to a school, you know, to play there, but is that, um, an aspect like with you guys, um, and your team? It was, uh, so when school was going on, um, we got back from spring break and we were doing virtual learning. They're allowing us to do Zoom meetings with our students as well as with our teams um, if we wanted to. But now I'm in Texas and Texas has basically completely opened up. Uh, so we started strength and conditioning um, at Texas schools, a lot of them this past Monday. So the kids are back in person working out, just social distancing, uh, but no more Zoom meetings for the kids. They're back in yeah. person and working out strength and conditioning and in the gym. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Wow. That's, that's actually like really cool. Do you think it's been like positive for them and, and good for them to have that community back? I think so. I think it's, it gave them um, more sense of their consistency that they're used to um, instead of, you know, just being in the house and talking to everybody on the phone. Now they, even though they can't run up and touch each other or play defense on one another, they can still be back in the gym and back in the same place and um, getting to see their coach's face again, which is, uh, which means a lot to some of them uh, <laughs> who are home alone, maybe, you know. Right. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, Coach Carter, how about you? How are you um, kind of doing everything right now? Um, from like a personal standpoint and like a team standpoint, like just making sure I'm checking with my friends and family a lot, um, checking with my players because everyone's mental state is every it can be anywhere. Like some people are doing great with this. Some people are having different struggles with both COVID and this social injustices that are going on um so the biggest thing I'm just trying to be like a good listener and just trying to be supportive and like listen to the issues that are going on in, in their personal lives um and just try to be supportive kind of like what Hannah was saying just be supportive of what they're going through um and then we've been having like the zoom team meetings our team is like very close-knit so just trying to find different creative ways to do bonding exercises through zoom um and I mean our staff has been great about just being on the same page with everything and and just we communicate with one another about how different players are doing and who needs special attention or who needs what kinds of attention. So that's been like kind of our plan of attack and mine personal as well. To just speak on that, um, you being in the assistant coaching um, role, what is like, are you able to still kind of have that um, different type of relationship with your kids during this? Or is it kind of you, you just meet with them on Zoom um, with everybody? It's, um, we're still having like special relationships, of course. And, um, it's just different though. Cause now it's like, all right, everyone was watching Netflix. So what are we watching on Netflix? So we went through the outer banks phase. We went through the, uh, what was the one where they're like robbing a bank? Our money. team loved that one. Yeah. Money heist. Our team loved money heist. So like our team, like, you know, just seeing what everyone's favorite shows are taking in those recommendations. And then, um, more people are on TikTok right now. So I've learned a lot about TikTok and like just sending the funny stuff to one another. So like, you know, keeping it light and there were some jokes. Um, and then also like just finding different ways to relate to them. And I think something that's helped me and I don't know if I've been like perfect at it, but I feel like I'm having some success is like sharing some of my vulnerabilities too. Um, I haven't felt safe getting back to Indianapolis, Indiana yet. So I haven't been back home yet. And like, you know, I don't want to go home to my parents where, you know, they're in that age where they might be more susceptible to having more issues with COVID. So like just being open with them, like, Hey guys, I miss my family. You know, that's how I'm struggling. 
And then maybe that opens some doors for them to tell me like, oh, I miss my friends or my parents are driving me crazy. And just trying to open that pathway so that they feel comfortable, like being vulnerable with me as well. Um, and then we can understand where each other is coming from. Because I think just talking and listening like does a lot for one another. Absolutely. I think listening has been an emphasis for me, especially just what I've tried to tell people as well. I think I've listened a lot, like my first year out of college, just sitting back and taking in everything. Um, but just kind of to open up the first uh, real coaching question to everybody. So basically just like, what are your um, like main focuses when you're in your job and you're actually coaching and, and at like the different levels of being a head coach? Sorry, that was totally on me. Like being a head coach, being an assistant, being at the high school level, um, coaching boys, like things like that kind of when, when we're not in COVID. Right. So yeah, if this, if this wasn't going on right now, what would we be doing? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. Okay. Got it. Um, so I think just, just for me, um, you know, we, we actually just finished up with our, with recruiting, but typically junior colleges, you know, we're, might even be recruiting into the summer. Um, this is where we would start, um, you know, looking at having camps, and then um, seeing what recruiting you're going to do in July and then hopefully bringing your team back in July. And uh, that's something that we're not able to do because of COVID this time. So we're hoping to bring our kids in um, two weeks early in August um, this, this time around. Um, so, you know, but just, just being in that routine and even being in the office and things like that, I mean, that's what's been really, I think, disrupted by, um, you know, by the pandemic and just getting, you know, everybody completely out of their comfort zone and doing everything. Um, you know, it's so cool that we're able to, we have these technologies, we're able to connect with so many people via Zoom, but I think, you know, everybody's probably, you know, ready, at least with their team to get back and face-to-face -face and um, be able to really have real conversations with people and get get back in the swing of things. So I don't, I, I'm not sure if that's what you're asking, but. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah. There's no right answer, right or wrong. So you're good. <laughs> um, I'll pick up where she left off. Um, this time of year, really, we're getting right back into um, our off season. So we are lifting and conditioning. So we have two hours of lifting and conditioning. Um, and then we have basketball. So during the day, we'll get the kids, we'll lift, run out on the football field, and then um, in the gym, as a staff, we've already gone over what it is that we want to implement in the off season. Um, and we start working on those strategies. Uh, it's kind of similar to college, how they have individuals, uh, which is great. They literally just uh, let us start this. Last year was the first year that we were able to do sports specific training, which is being able to be on the court during the summertime. Um, and so now we get to be with the kids in the gym, um, for two hours a week so we can split it up however we want to uh, Monday through Thursday. So just basically seeing what works, seeing what we want to change and then little by little implementing it with the kids on the court. Um, so getting to see them four days a week in, in the summertime is great. <laughs> uh, but at this time of year, that's what we're you know really doing, putting in the fundamentals, uh, putting in the details so that we're building on it in these seven weeks that we have. Um, for us, we, I mean, normally if we didn't have this situation going on right now, um, our kids are, we usually have the whole team here for the second summer session and for first summer session, we'll have like a couple kids just kind of depending on like who needs what class wise, um, and from an academic standpoint. So right now it'd be first summer session. 
Um, and ideally we would love to be getting ready for camps right now and having a bunch of kids on campus and having our recruits on campus um, and getting those interactions with, with our kids. Um, and then we'd also be planning for July. So like right now it's a little bit different for us. Uh, we can't go recruit this July. Um, so it's definitely different. And I know some teams are starting to live stream workouts. So we're starting to navigate that and trying to figure out, you know, who's got different schedules and who's live streaming stuff and definitely watching more film right now. Um, but ideally, like we would love to be having kids on our campus and getting ready to get to know them better, get to know recruits better, get to know their coaches better. Um, and then planning where we're going to go in July. So that would normally be our focus and just working together as a staff to try to make sure everyone has what they need. Um, and I mean, that's just a big thing with our staff in general, just whether it's summer camps or trying to organize recruiting or stuff during the year, just like you have your responsibilities, but then just try to be a helping hand and being open to helping other people too, and just be adaptable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Being, being adaptable is, is what I'm going to take from that with all of this for sure. Just in coaching in general, it's, it's good to have, but I think this is really making people, um, figure it out for sure. So another question we have for you guys is obviously you're all three at different levels, but at every level relationships are a huge part of basketball. So could you talk about just how you cultivate genuine relationships with other coaches, um, but also with your players, you know, obviously uh, we have two assistants. So how do you guys cultivate those relationships with your players? And then coach Hayden as a head coach, how do you cultivate those relationships? Sure. You ready to go? So first I would say, um, you know, cultivating relationships with other coaches, um, you know, obviously regardless of your position, your network is everything. So I think just like making sure that you're having like genuine interactions with people. Um, you know, I've seen a, a few people that have even logged in on this before we got started um, that I've been, you know, coaches that I really respect. I saw Carrie Redeker logged in on here and it's just like, um, that's somebody that I did. I recruited from her when I was at the four-year level at Harris Stowe. And then now being at the junior college level um, is somebody that I play against and, but that I've always looked at as a mentor you know, and I've kind of been on both sides, you know, of, of it with her. Um, but just being able to have um, relationships like that, people, um, you know, coaches that you see that they do things the right way. Um, obviously, you know, you want mentors that win, but just looking at how they, how they run their program and how they handle themselves. Um, you know, a lot of time reach out to those coaches because most of the time they're willing to, um, you know, to at least have a conversation with you or maybe kind of be a mentor for you. And I mean, that's something that's been big for me. Um, as far as relationships with your players, you know, I think really just being, being a genuine person, you know, I mean, I think it starts in the recruiting process when you reach out to these kids and you're getting to know them and you're telling, um, their families and their parents that you're going to be the one to take care of them. Um, you can't let that go by the wayside whenever they get on campus, you know, when they, when they sign on the dotted line, it's not like, all right, game over. Now you're on campus and you're mine. And, you know, um, you know, it's now whenever they get on campus, then, you know, you just, you're able to, to get to know them even more. Um, and just having, you know, genuine conversations with them and not making it just all about basketball. Um, something that I pride myself on is, is, you know, the fact that whenever we're in practice, you know, I mean, I can, I'm, I'm very hard on my kids. Um, you know, I, I think our practices are, are really intense and things like that. But when practice is over, they're in my office joking around. You know, we're talking about movies or something that was said in practice last week that's funny now when somebody got in trouble or whatever. And just being able to, like, come back down to earth and really be in remembering, you know, like, these these are young kids. They're going to make mistakes or they're going to make us mad at times or whatever it is. But um, being able to, to 
come back down and just have real conversations with them. And, um, you know, I mean, for me, that's how it just helped me build my relationships with them so much. Great. Um, I will say that I was recruited by a lot of different coaches, a lot of different levels. And one thing about that was I kept those contacts over the years with all those coaches. And even though um, I didn't choose to go to their schools, when I had the opportunity, I did, you know, let them know before I signed with that other school. And then when I coached, because I coached college for four years, so when I coached on the division two level and at the division one level, I was able to make a lot of different contacts, be it um, for who I was working with, who I happened to be hanging out with during recruiting or, you know, uh, at the final fours. Um, but the one biggest thing I would say is that, you know, you go out of your way to not burn any bridges. It doesn't matter how you feel in the moment, whatever's going on, a decision that someone made, don't burn a bridge be mature about the situation and you'll never know when that person is going to come back and you're going to need that relationship um, to go somewhere or do something that you want. So uh, that was one thing that I made sure to never do, <laughs> you know, to keep all my contacts, no matter the situation. Um, and then with my kids, my relationships is different for me now because uh, my relationship with the players when I coach at University of Houston is completely different than uh, the players I have now because I coached girls college for four years and now this is my third year coaching boys and so I I'm not close I'm not as close with my players as I would be um, or as I was with my college players because one they're boys and you know so I draw that line and um, they're even younger <laughs> and less mature than my college girls were. So um, there's there's a strict line that I have to have with them. Um, but I think our relationship is built off of a mutual respect. They have a respect for me because of my resume and my playing background. Um, and, you know, the fact that I was a state champion in this state and they want to do that same thing. Um, and so we have a mutual respect um, and then we can sit and laugh and joke. We do team bonding activities always together. So even though I can pull kids to the side and talk to them and they know why I'm getting on them, because uh, I'll tell them why, you know, I let them know I'm on you all the time, but it's because of what it is that I'm trying to get out of you. So really um, not always telling them the bad. When I tell them the bad, I tell them why I'm giving them the bad. I don't just tell them the bad and leave it there, you know? So um, being able to really explain the why to kids, I really think um, wins them over in the long run and helps with your relationship. Because uh, a lot of times we win in the moment, we just tell them things and we never tell them why. <laughs> and, you know, we're just trying to get our point across. Um, but when we do take the time to explain to them why you did the things you did or why you said something that you said, um, it really makes them appreciate you more. That's like such a good answer. It's hard to follow. <laughs> um, no, but, but like Coach Hannah said and Coach, Mon Coach Monsa said, um, just like with networking, um, I think it's important that you always hold good relationships and be cordial with everyone, even if things don't go as you expect them to go, or maybe there's some type of confrontation there or misunderstanding. Um, find a way to mend that bridge for sure. Um, and then like just work hard, like be caught doing good work and, and be a good person. I think like some of the best relationships I've made have been out recruiting. Um, 
and I've made some, I've met some genuine friends and, and good mentors out recruiting. And it's like, yes, you definitely need to watch a game and you can't be talking too much. But there are times when like there's breaks in the games where you can make conversation with other coaches and like you get to know people on a deeper level. Um, and the mentors I have, I've met through recruiting and that's been awesome for me. And a lot of it's because like they recognize when you work hard and they recognize like how you're how you're evaluating people and things like that, how you talk the game, how you talk to players. Um, and so I think just get caught doing the right thing, you know, and, and you're not looking for you're not like, oh, shoot, Coach Hannah's watching me. Let me let me pretend to take notes, like just do the right thing when no one's watching. And, you know, the right people will be attracted to you by that. Um, and then with my player relationships, um, similar to what the other two coaches said, you know, just be open, be willing to have conversations, be genuine, be sincere. Um, and ways that we do that at Sam Houston State is like, you know, we'll go on small lunch dates, like with groups of two or three players at a time. And we won't talk about basketball. So like what's going on in life, what, how are their families doing? How's class? How's their pets? How are their dogs? All that stuff. Um, and you know, we can, we can pay for occasional meals sometimes. So we'll do that sometimes. And sometimes like we'll go over and go eat in the cafeteria with them. We'll go eat the food they eat. Like we'll go be in their surrounding and see like, you know, what food lines do you guys like to get? Who are your friends? Who sits at that table? And just kind of come down to their level and understand where they're coming from. So then we do cross our lines to the court. We've developed that trust. We've developed that stronger sense of care. Um, and I know maybe it sounds cliche, but it's so true. Um, they want to know how much you care, not how much you know. And then when they know how much you care, they'll care about what you know. That's really, really good. Thank you, all of you guys. Um, kind of going into more direct questions, Coach um, Hayden, could you talk about the number one job of a head coach? Sure. So, um, you know, I think that the, my number one job or my goal at the beginning of each season is trying to, trying to get my team, um, and everybody associated with it, you know, as far as staff managers, all my players, um, to really just collectively buy into the same vision, you know, and a common purpose, you know, at Moberly, we like to call it our culture of excellence is something that we talk about all the time, but the beginning of the year, you know, we want to lay out our program standards and our values and, um, you know, try to transform just a group of people from all over the country, um, really into a unit, you know, then in this year, our mantra was move as one, um, that, you know, that everybody is bought into the same thing. And I think, um, you know, everybody's kind of familiar with it in the past couple of years with the transfer portal and things like that. Um, our, as our society gets more and more individualistic, it gets harder and harder to get, um, to get kids to buy in to something that's bigger than themselves, just because it's a team and that's what they're supposed to do. Right. They have to really believe in it. Um, they have to really be excited about it. They have to really feel drawn to it. Um, you know, so that's just something that we try to cultivate. And I feel like, you know, it's my job to kind of create that atmosphere and foster that, um, and get something that, that they all want to, um, that they all want to believe in and that they can all be excited about. And I think that if you can do that, then you can accomplish all the other things that we talk about as coaches, as far as teaching life lessons and life skill through sport, um, you know, doing what you need to do in the classroom, you know, making sure that they're successful academically, um, you know, just developing them as people. And then, of course, you know, on the basketball court, um, competing at a high level, right, and winning. And I just think all of those things start uh, with making sure that everybody is collectively bought in and on the same page. And it's obviously it's getting harder and harder. It's easier said than done. Um, but I think that if you spend time on that at the beginning of the year, 
um, and again, really lay out your vision for the program and you, you, you do a good job and you are essentially selling the kids on it, right? Like this is what we all need to be successful. And I think that if you, um, if you do a good job with that, then it can obviously just lead to so much success down the road for your team, um, both on and off the court. So I think for, for a head coach that that is one of the most important things that you can do. Yeah, that's good. Absolutely. Even um, to Coach L and um, Coach Kira, if you guys could just talk about like what makes, what complements a head coach um, like Coach Hannah. So just kind of some good things that you focus on for um, like what, like what makes a good assistant coach. I think um, a good assistant coach can um, not only enforce what the head coach wants, uh, but um, basically get the team to buy in without sounding exactly like the head coach. Nobody wants to hear two head coaches. (laughs) And that's the reality. No player wants to hear the same thing that the head coach just said come out of your mouth but you have to be smart enough to get the same message across without sounding like the head coach. Um, but as long as you're on the same page um, and really be trustworthy and loyal to them, uh, you, you know, with what you're doing, trying to make their job easier, I think that, you know, you'll be a good assistant coach, but it's just really keeping that consistency. You can't be inconsistent. Um, you can't be on a different page than your head coach. Um, and so you're all riding that same boat together. You can't be paddling in a different direction. Yeah, I definitely agree with that too. Like you have to defend your team's culture, um, as an assistant coach. And like, while we have to have good relationships with the players and be able to hear them vent, you never can throw the head coach under the bus. Like, you know, that's our program. You have to defend our culture and be able to articulate in a way that they can kind of understand that, um, while still managing that balance with your players. And then I think also like with you have to serve your head coach. You want to serve the program, serve your head coach, serve the players. I think just serve, be you know, be a servant. Um, and what that means to me is like you know, do my responsibilities because you know we've all each assistant's been given certain responsibilities. So do those responsibilities, but anticipate what can happen beyond those responsibilities. Um, there's always something that's going to come up. I mean, this year we were making practice jerseys out of like we had an art project going on. We were making like felt numbers and like <laughs> pinning them to jerseys. And, you know, no one told me, you know, you don't read a hand, uh, a coach's book and say, you're going to do arts and crafts, but no, we do arts and crafts all the time. And that's just called like, you know, you just have to be a problem solver. Um, and the other thing is like, don't think you're too good for any job. I, yeah, I have a master's degree. And I do arts and crafts. That's fine. You know, if that's what we need to do today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do arts and crafts. Um, if I need to go help the managers tape the floor, no problem. I'll go tape the floor. Um, if I need to go have a, a tougher conversation, maybe with our SID or, or be a liaison in a, another department and put on my, my big girl pants, I got to go do that. So I think, again, adaptable is just a big word for me. Be adaptable, be a servant, um, and be open-minded in what your responsibilities are. You're never too good to do anything. I love that. Coach John Wooden, that's like my favorite quote. I have it like put up in my room, like make each day your masterpiece, like no role is too small. So I totally agree. Um, coach L, just kind of moving into, obviously you're an assistant coach at the high school level. How are you preparing your student athletes to, you know, play at the next level? Or, you know, maybe if they're not going to 
pursue a collegiate career? How are you preparing them for, you know, the real world? Um, so the biggest thing with me and I, I let my kids know early on is that if you have the mental toughness to get through an entire season, you have the mental toughness to be prepared in life. So I don't preach to them that y'all are going to all go and be division one athletes or that you're going to go and play college basketball, because that is not the reality of the situation. <laughs> the reality of the situation is that you're going to have to find something to be successful at in life. And if this and playing the game of basketball is too much for you, then you're going to have, you're going to be struggling in life because those are the lessons that we teach in the program. Uh, just the day-to-day -day, um, schedule at, at the high school level, we practice twice a day. So, you know, they go to class for part of the day. They are expected to come in in the middle of the day and give everything they have. And then they go back to class and they're expected to come back and give everything they have again. So, I mean, they work for about three hours a day in workouts um, at the high school level here in Texas. And it's for some students, it's more strenuous than others because, you know, they came from middle school and they, <laughs> you know, they weren't expecting to be asked to do so much. You know, they're not used to the discipline that we demand. Um, they're not used to the things that we ask for them in the classroom. But really, the standard that we set in the program um, is built for them to develop the mental toughness, to develop the self-discipline that they're gonna need to be successful in life. So really just beating them over the head with that idea. You know, I'm not tough on you because I want you to go play college basketball. I'm tough on you because I want you to get to your first semester of college and not wanna drop out because you think it's too hard. Because if we haven't challenged you, if we haven't showed you what hard is, then you're gonna have a hard time in life because it's gonna be even harder than this. Um, so really just getting them to understand what hard work is. Absolutely, the mental toughness aspect of that, um, just the way you you just talked about it as not just like, oh, like be tough, be tough, but just telling them like to just, if you get through a season, you can get to college. But even um, for, the coaches that are coaching college, how um, then do you guys prepare them to stay in college and to continue? Um, coach Hannah, if you just want to speak on, you, you talked about you coached at a four-year um, university and now obviously you're at the um, junior college level, but how did you use that um, experience at the four-year to really help develop your players um, at the two-year to then be able to, to make that same kind of transition that obviously is a little um easier but also can still have challenges but kind of how do you prepare them for for that jump as well yeah absolutely I mean that's why I'm really grateful for my time at the four-year level because you know now to be able to come back to to junior college I mean we try to run our program like a four-year program you know um and we try to simulate that in our approach to pretty much everything that we do um, you know, from whenever they get on campus to how we're approaching preseason um, with strength and conditioning, you know, with doing the individual, you know, the position work, um, the skill work like they do at, at Division One, Division Two, um, you know, all, all levels, um, you know, with, with the standards that we set for the classroom, you know, again, like we've, I'm, I'm fortunate, you know, on my staff, I have, have um, 
I have somebody that's been at the division one level. And then I have uh, one of my former players that played for me at, at the NAI level, you know, so we've all kind of been there and we know what it looks like and we know what it takes. So we just try to really uphold those standards, um, you know, again, academically. So like, like I did whenever I was a division one assistant, um, we have our team split up into academic groups um, between myself and my two assistants that meet with us on a weekly basis. And, you know, we're just able to get updates and make sure that, you know, not only are we holding them accountable, but, you know, just we're able to catch anything early, you know, if we need to address any, any concerns, um, you know, then back to the basketball side, uh, we film practice. We're going to watch that as a team and individually. Um, our scouting reports are really in-depth. So we're giving out, you know, a hard copy. We're watching a film edit. Um, we're going over things on the floor. And again, we're just we're just trying to simulate it. And like one thing when I first um, when I first got to the JUCO level, somebody told me was like, don't let JUCO make you a JUCO coach. And he, he was a JUCO coach himself. So he didn't necessarily mean like the negative connotation. He was just going off of how some people's perception is, right? Is it at JUCO, we just roll the ball out and we just hoop and there's no structure and things like that. Um, and I, I will say there's a lot of really good coaches at junior college. So it's definitely not like that across the board, but we know how that goes. You know, it's just a, a few places that have done it like that in the past or whatever, kind of um, give everybody give everybody that uh, misconception, but that's just, um, you know, we've tried to go completely opposite of that. So again, just with how we approach everything, I want to make sure that anything that our kids are going to see um, at the four-year level that they've already experienced here at Moberly, and they've already had those expectations. I mean, to me, it would be embarrassing for one of my players to go um, to the four-year level and not be able to be on time for class or not be doing what they're supposed to be doing in study hall or not have good practice habits um, and not understand what it means to work hard or not know how to do a scouting report and how to apply that and watch film and be able to apply that as well. So we try to hit it from every single angle. Um, you know, I, the one thing about junior college, obviously there's less resources. So we are the strength coach and we are, um, you know, we're really fortunate Moberly to have an academic advisor, but we're doing a lot of that stuff too. Um, so, you know, it, it takes, um, you know, it definitely takes all of us. And I think, the, you know, my, my staff does a really good job, but we just try to, uh, we try to simulate the same experience and try to prepare them the absolute best way that we can. Um, so that whenever they move on, that it's seamless. Like I want to tell them now, now it's only left on you, right. To make good decisions and do the right things and then show up and play well. So. That's, that's good. Thank you. Um, Coach Kira, you know, you also had experience at the D2 level and at the JUCO level as well um, before you went to Milwaukee and you were, now you're at Sam Houston. So um, at Missouri S&T, you were the lone assistant. So I read up on, you had a, a lot of different roles, you know, a ton, your hands were in a ton of different facets. So could you talk about how that prepared you um, to move up to the D1 level? Um, it gave me great perspective. Um, and, you know, when I first, I'll be honest, when I first went to Division One level, I didn't understand how open you had to be to so I didn't know we were going to do craft projects. I keep coming back to that because, like, you just don't think you would, and that's the first thing that comes to mind of something different that you would have to do. Um, you know, so I think, I think that started getting my thought process in that, in that mindset of like, you're going to do different, different things. And so like being the only assistant coach I had a chance to do at both Wabash and uh, Missouri S and T, I got to do administrative things. I got to be very involved with stuff that the head coach has to do and make decisions on, um, at both of those schools, you don't have all full ride scholarships. So you have to kind of 
divide them up a little bit. You have to take into consideration their academics when you're recruiting. Maybe you're in in-state players versus out-of-state players, or maybe there's waivers for certain things. So um, being exposed to that, because like at the Division One level, you don't have those issues. But at the same time, if I didn't coach at those other levels, I wouldn't have that knowledge. Um, and my mindset wouldn't be that open or that creative on how you have to go about things. Um, I think it also makes you a better recruiter, too, because if you can recruit at those levels with like, you know, what Coach Hayden's saying with less resources, um, if you can do more with less, it's going to just make you a better coach. Um, and you learn how to be a problem solver. So I got my hand in everything. Uh, like you said, I'm not saying I was good at everything. I definitely wasn't. Um, but I got to learn what I liked, what I didn't like. Um, and then, you know, as you go up to the division one level, your, your responsibilities are a little bit more specified. Um, and so right now at Sam Houston state, I'm in charge of social media is one of my big responsibilities. Um, I work with the SIDs and like our marketing department on different things with our branding and how we market our program. Um, I work with the guards for position work. We split up scouts. Of course I do recruiting. Um, so those are probably my, my main responsibilities, and like, you know, through having my hand in everything, I kind of learned like, okay, I can do social media. I'm, I'm kind of good at that. I have a creative knack for that. Um, and just kind of, you kind of discover yourself in that, in, in that sense. And then you learn about what it takes to really run a program. So I think, I mean, that's just a touch base on it. We could like write a book about <laughs> what you learn as a JUCO coach and as a, as a D2 assistant. But I mean, definitely great experiences and great opportunities. And I think, uh, sorry, one more thing, get a little bit long on this. Um, have like an opportunity mindset, you know, I could, you can have one mindset like, oh my God, I don't get paid any money. I'm doing all this stuff. Or you can say like, oh my gosh, I get the opportunities to do this, 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 this. I get to make all these decisions. Like why would someone allow me like being 24 years old to make all these decisions? Are they crazy? But you know, you get those opportunities and you, you have to make the most of them. Opportunity mindset that yes, it, that's huge. Um, even just like to the mental toughness, everything. Um, I think there's just, there's so many different angles to approach things. Um, that, that was awesome. Thank you, coach. Um, coach L one um, thing that I really wanted to, to touch on before we kind of open up to viewer questions as those kind of start piling in, but what, um, how is your experience coaching boys? Um, and just if you could speak on the difference of just kind of like the playing wise coaching, not necessarily like the relationships, but is there a difference the way you kind of like addressed your um, college, like women versus kind of how you address the game for the, the boys side? Uh, well, the biggest le uh, difference is the level uh, you know, from going to from college to high school, obviously is a big jump in maturity level and IQ. And so that's really how you have to think about it. Um, we, at the college level um, and working with girls and you know, the way that we do scouting reports at the college level, we know so much information, we implement so much information, um, but then at the high school level, I can still be that in depth with my information. I just can't give it to the kids. Uh, they can barely, you know, they can't handle it. And the things that I teach, I have to draw back and only give them a spoonful so they can kind of understand it. Um, I think the one thing that does give me the upper hand is that I have coached girls and most guys, men's coaches have not coached girls. So they don't uh, fully realize how detail oriented we are. 
uh, with girls. Girls ask a lot more questions. <laughs> they're they're much more in depth, and guys just want to play. And they, you know, boys they, they just want to play, and so they they rush. And girls are more fundamental, and because they don't have the same athletic uh, ability at the age that the boys do, they learn how to do things differently, and sometimes more efficiently um, and more fundamentally fundamentally and boys don't know those things. So you're teaching them fundamental things uh, to improve their game. And it takes a little bit more for them to understand why it's important because they're so used to just taking advantage of things athletically. Um, So being detail oriented, um, like I am that I bring from the college level, when I break that down on the high school level and with the boys, it really helps them and it's eye-opening because they have not learned in that way before. They are not used to learning in that fashion. Um, I'd say the good thing about um, both of those levels is that the speed of the game is a little bit similar. Um, it's not as if they're dressed, the boys are drastically slower. They, you know, they play at a pace that is similar to the pace of the college women's game. So I'm still, uh, I still feel comfortable. You know, if I would have moved down to a level where I felt like the game was too slow and my mind's moving way faster than they're playing, then I'd probably be, you know, uh, upset, but it's fun. Um, they, uh, are very receptive and, uh, because they watch a lot of basketball. And that's one thing, you know, when I was coaching girls, we're begging them to watch the game. Boys watch the game, even if they watch the wrong kind, because <laughs> they want to watch the NBA on time and they need to be watching the college game, but they watch it and they want to imitate everything they watch. So if I send them a YouTube clip of somebody, or if I just tell them, in, you know, a player that I want them to watch, they're going to get on there and they're going to sit there and watch exactly what I asked them to watch because they do love to sit there and watch the game. Um, but the, they're a lot more similar than people think. I think, uh, you know, on the outside, we were like, Oh my goodness, you know, and I, I didn't choose it. You know, I was asked to do it. So it's not like it's something that I sought out. Um, I just, you know, had an opportunity mindset and somebody asked me to do it. And I said, yeah. <laughs> so um, jumping into it, um, you know, you're kind of a chameleon, kind of like uh, we talked about being assistant coach when you're the only assistant coach. I was the only assistant coach at Division Two level my first year. You get thrown in the fire and you figure out what happens. And that's, you know, what I did being in there. Um, learning your players is going to be the same at every level. Um, the one thing that I think, um, you know, young coaches or any coach, should really um, look into is understanding the behavior of your athletes. Um, I have a master's degree in human resource development. And one thing we look at big time is our leadership um, and how we understand the people that we're leading. Um, And so when, uh, you know, we've gone through personality tests and behavioral assessments and everything, and because I've studied it, I'm able to know exactly how to deal with each person. I know what buttons I can press and which buttons I can't press. Um, And I spend that time learning them, paying attention to what they do on and off the floor so that I can coach them. I can coach some harder than I can coach others, but I know exactly who I can speak to in in a certain way on the floor, um, you know, who has that mentality on the floor that can handle it and who I have to wait, 
until after practice to speak to. Um, you know, that's the biggest thing. I know everyone thinks on the surface, girls are just way more emotional, but they have no idea that boys are just the same. <laughs> Their egos are just bigger. That's the, that's the only thing. So um, really get to understand your players. Sometimes it takes team bonding off the floor to get that done. Um, but if you're understanding them, it doesn't matter who you're coaching, you're still going to be able to get across to them. That's good. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's a good perspective. Um, we're going to open up into viewer questions. So we ask that before you ask your question, introduce yourself, your name and where you're from currently coaching at. So coach Shannon, you can go first. Hey, I'm Shannon Mathis. I'm currently coaching freshman girls basketball at Bishop Lynch High School in Dallas. Uh, my question is for Coach L. I saw that you're part of the SO program with WBCA. How did that prepare you? I did that in 2019. Um, so how do you feel like that prepared you for your grad assistant spot? Um, I think it was... First of all, it was just an awesome experience. I absolutely loved it. Um, so for those of you who don't know what the SO program is, um, it is a uh, program for senior athletes uh, in women's basketball. And um, it's basically during the same time as the WBCA convention. And um, we sit and listen to different speakers um, and so forth. I think one of the biggest... Um, impacts it had on me was just realizing how many different um, perspectives there were, like listening to Coach McCallie speak from Duke and then um, going over to the middle school to play with the kids outside on the blacktop, just seeing all these different things going on and listening and speaking to coaches. Um, one, it helped me reconnect with uh, a lot of different people that I hadn't seen in years, you know, since being recruited. And that just opened up um, my, I guess, job opportunities. You know, I was receiving emails as soon as I got home because from the people who saw me sitting in the audience during the SOAP program, listening to them speak. So um, it, it was great because once I got home, I actually had a choice, um, you know, in the different schools that were offering me grad assistantships. Um, but I actually, I took a division two position instead of a graduate assistant position when I came out and I was, I, I was making absolutely zero money and I was fine with that. <laughs> um, but I wanted to be thrown in the fire. I wanted to figure out how to do everything. And that was to be the only assistant coach. And so that opportunity stuck out to me more. Um, the one thing I will say about when people are looking to hire you is uh, you want to be just in, as in depth as you were when you were being recruited to play. You know, you want to know how many people are there to play your spot. <laughs> you want to know where you're going, um, what the environment is like, because just the same way these kids are jumping on the transfer portal is the same way when you get to a, a program and you're playing for a coach you don't like and working for a coach you don't like, you're going to end up wanting to leave. Um, so, even though I was in that program, I had a lot of different opportunities coming at me. I wanted to be just as thorough trying to choose what was going to be best and a best fit for me, not just the popular school or um, the biggest school. Uh, because for me, I 
I always see things as I want to be um, somewhere where I can have the most impact and the most change. That was one of the reasons why I decided to play at a mid-major school. I knew that the Big East schools that were recruiting me were going to be fine just without me. I wanted to go somewhere where I was going to actually make a difference. And so that's what I was thinking when I was looking at my opportunities. Um, you know, can I make a difference here? And how much can I learn? Um, I think if we're truly students of the game, we're going to continue learning as we get older. Um, and you really want to take into account, you know, how much can I learn from this person that I'm about to go work for? Definitely. That that answer, I feel like, should be um, the rising coaches pitch. Um, I'm going to throw a plug right there. If you're not a member, look into it, because that's literally what we're about. Um, just helping coaches to, to be good coaches and, and kind of, you know, figure out and and go through the, the different realms. It's like recruiting all over again, except for except for you're an adult now. So so definitely that was that was a great answer. Um, Coach Thompson, if you want to unmute yourself and go ahead and ask your question, um, it's all you. Thank you, guys. This is uh, Coach Thompson from Monroe College in the Bronx. Um, my question is for Coach Carter. Um, I wanted to ask Coach Carter, I looked at your bio prior to the call and you played at a, uh, you played at JUCO and then you played at Division One, and you have experience coaching at every level. And in this year, you were able to coach um, three all-conference players in your first year at uh, Sam Houston. My question for you is with all the experience you've had at the different levels and your ability to relate to players, how have you been able to do such a great job recruiting and then also training high-level athletes? That was like a loaded, flattering question. I appreciate that. Um, I think my experiences have definitely helped me a lot just as a player first. Um, you know, from being a JUCO player, um, you know, sometimes people look down on JUCO players and, you know, obviously I don't because I was a JUCO player. And, you know, my teammates and JUCO is a special place. If, if you've been to JUCO, you know, it's a special place. You know, I was there for one, one year, but like I have friends that are teammates now. I'm like, they've got children. I, I check in with them, you know, so um, that just gave me a great perspective of what junior college was. Um, and then going on to a division one school. So right now at Sam Houston State, we recruit a lot of junior college players just because it fits our style a lot. Um, and in trying to get a program turned around, our head coach, you know, thought it was good for us to get a lot of junior college players. And so as a staff, we're all on board with that. Um, and so for me personally, um, I can relate to junior college players and everyone has a different story. So, and just understand that everyone has a different story, um, and find out what their story is and finding out kind of what makes them tick, what motivates them and figuring out like, how can our staff and Sam Houston state, um, fit their needs and what they want. Um, was that the whole question? I feel like there's a couple parts there. Yeah, I just, I was just curious with all that experience, how you're able to, in your first year, take all that together and then be able to produce three all-conference players, you know, with your background and, you know, obviously working with these athletes. Well, as an assistant coach, like it definitely wasn't all me, you know, I'm just a little uh, helper there. You know, Coach Justice has a great system in place. Um, you know, we run dribble drive and, it's a system that we recruit players that fit that system and it's very up-tempo. So it's a system in which a lot of people can be successful in. Um, and it's definitely about the fit, you know, bringing in those kids there and then just kind of like we discussed earlier, um, reinforcing the head coach's culture 
um, and, and what we want to be about, and then using our relationships with the individuals to make sure that they can fit um, and fulfill the roles that we have for the system. Thank you, Coach. Yes, great, great question, Coach Thompson. Thank you. Um, Coach Destiny, do you want to go ahead? Sure. Hey, how are you guys? Good. Um, so Coach Ramsey, Destiny, Coach Destiny, whatever you want to say. I coached for two years at Illinois Central College, Duco shout out um, under Carrie Redeker, played for her as well. I am now going to be the GA. It is official. I have signed on the dotted line to UIS where I also played um, two years after Juco. So I went from D2 Juco to D2 NCAA. So I am excited for that. And I actually, well, when I was playing coach Hannah at Moberly wasn't there, but I have coached against her now that I was coaching with coach Redeker. And I do fully respect her game and the way she coaches and stuff. So my question was when she said, um, it's being, it's harder to basically cultivate this culture and some of these kids nowadays, and I'm trying to, I, I wonder in, in your perspective, coach, why do you feel like that is? Why is it harder to create that culture or to cultivate this buy-in type system? And I have seen it too. So what it, what do you feel like from your point of view is the, the biggest challenge with kids and them understanding the buy-in piece of things at the college level? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that there's a few factors that play into it. Something that Kira touched on earlier, um, or it might've been coach Monte. Somebody was like, you have to explain why, right? Like this is not the generation where it's just like, do it because I said so. And with no further explanation, right? Like they want to have an understanding behind it. Um, and I just think that that, that kind of goes into the same thing is, is it's not just good enough almost to you're a part of a team. You're some, you're part of something bigger than yourself. So just accept your role because that's what you're supposed to do because you're on a team. I just feel like that it's been a, a, a shift in that. You know, and now um, I just think it's it's more important and it can still be done. You know, like you see these teams with great cultures, but I think that those, you know, it's just been established um, that there's something that they are so excited to be a part of. You know, it's not going to be just because I'm showing up and I'm getting my gear and I get to go to practice and stuff that I'm just happy to be here if I don't have the role that I want, which obviously most time going to college basketball, the role is going to change so much, you know, so getting them. Um, I think being able to get them to buy into that. And then we could go, you know, we could get into the the social media and just, and people in their ear at home. And, you know, I think there's a lot of factors that go into it and everybody, you know, is, we're just at a point, I think, you know, touching on social media, they do everything for what, for likes and recognition and retweets and all that kind of stuff, right? Because they like people telling them how good they are. Um, so a lot of times whenever you get to college and then you don't hear that a lot, I think that if you don't have a really good culture to to fall back on and you don't have um, your other kids saying the right things, um, then I think that that's where we're starting to see like so many transfers or kids that are unhappy and, and things like that. Um, I think that those are just some of the obstacles that we're looking at is just, I think it's different. You know, um, I mean, I'm only 28 years old, but it's, it's different from whenever I was playing, you know, just eight years ago. Like we just, we didn't have, you know, I mean, there was social media existed, but it just, it didn't have the, um, 
it didn't have the same pool that it has now with the kids and now as many things were on there. And, you know, I mean, now, um, you know, kids, you, they'll put up a clip, you know, you, you know, a clip of their highlight online and things like that. And kids don't even want to be, you know, seen on the clip if they're on the bench, you know, and you see the kids that aren't up celebrating and then that can be exposed and things like that. So I just think that there's a lot of like outside influences that are, um, making it more, more difficult. I still think it can be done, but I think you have to be more intentional with building your culture and what you want it to look like and being honest with kids and, um, you know, and building those relationships with the kids on your, on the end of your bench and, um, just making sure that you're really going out of your way to do that. But I, that, that to me, I, I think are the, the factors that I've identified in new ways and what is probably making it more hard for coaches. Absolutely. I think even like I just played two years ago and it's completely different. I'm like, what? <laughs> so uh, that was, that was a really great answer. Um, Coach Redeker, if you would like to unmute um, and ask your question, you can go for that. Do we have coach on here still? Yeah. Oh yeah. Am I there? Yeah, you're yeah, good. Sorry. You're good. <laughs> sorry about that. Talking about technology, I'm a little slow. But, um, <laughs> I just want to know, you know, I'm, obviously the COVID is un, unlike anything any of us have ever seen, but just curious, and you like you ladies are a lot younger than me, but I would like to know what, what your biggest challenge has been so far um, as a coach, no matter where you were, and then how did you un- overcome that, that challenge? I think sometimes it's hard to manage uh, recruiting decisions. Um, And it's like, when I recruit, like I'm genuinely trying to get to know kids and like I form like genuine bonds with them. Um, But then there's like the business aspects and you have to worry about like the fit of your program and what's best for your program. Um, And so there's times when you have to have really hard conversations with AU coaches, parents, um, and the, and the student athlete also. And so, um, as hard as it is, like I've, I've had to have like really hard, honest conversations. I think that's been challenging. Um, I think that's a topic where like, you know, some mentors have been able to help me out. Um, and my biggest, like what I've learned from that, like what my kind of uh, solution to that has been like, you know, just be honest, like, and, and be genuine. Um, and don't say anything or promise anything that you can't deliver on or can't take back. And every time I've like been able to get through an honest tough conversation I've left feeling like much better about myself just as an individual um because I don't want to be out here lying and and all that stuff it just doesn't feel good in my heart (laughs) and then also I you know you leave those conversations with respect um you know we've had to turn kids away before and kids have had to turn us away before but being able to navigate those conversations with poise and respect um I think that's been one of the biggest challenges and one of the biggest things I've learned Um, I guess I'll piggyback right after you. Um, I would say that one of my biggest challenges, um, would be disagreeing with my head coach, you know, having a different outlook. Um, and I think that depending on who you are, um, you know, in your maturity level, people handle that differently. Uh, the way I was able to handle that is, um, understanding that no, there's not another me. I'm, I can't expect everyone to think in the same way that I think. 
you know? And so the fact that I understand that um, and can take myself out of that situation can allow me to look back and, um, you know, admit this is not my program. I serve at the pleasure of my head coach. And so therefore, if this is what they want to do, I'm going to do that. Um, you know, I've heard from a lot of different people uh, tell me that the thing that they struggle with the most is making tough decisions. Um, and the one thing I would say to everyone who, you know, thinks that is the integrity of your program is the most important thing. Um, so, you know, when you're wrestling with what decision you should be making, you should be erring on the side of the integrity. Um, you know, we're, we're not sacrificing the integrity of the program for one player. You know, that culture, the buy-in that we want is what uh, we're going to create. And if we create that culture well enough, then the culture will take care of itself. And the players who don't want to be there won't be there. Uh, but the decisions that we make, even though they're, they're the toughest decisions, we need to be erring on the side of the integrity of our program and, you know, making decisions that will uphold um, that culture. I think one of the um, the biggest challenges that, that I've faced um, is trying to find the balance whenever you know you have a really good team. Um, finding that balance as the head coach, because you're really setting the tone, right? You're setting the pulse for your team on continuing to, to really push them to get better and then kind of knowing, you know, when to give them a little bit of grace. And I think it's happened to me twice now. Um, you know, my first year at Harris Stowe, um, it was the first winning season there that they had had in 10 years. Everything we did was great. Everybody was just happy. And then the second year we had these expectations, right? Because we had already been good. And now we're coming back for year two. People are preparing for us harder. Um, my players had experience and I just knew like that second year, like that was our year. We needed to win the conference. I wanted to make the national tournament. You know, we just had all these goals. And, um, I think, you know, kind of as a, as a head coach, I just think it's really challenging on kind of. Um, being able to discern like when your team needs um, not a break, but you, but you know, and then in kind of finding the line between um, the encouragement and then pushing them harder. You know, I think um, even this year we had a really good team and it was like a constant battle with myself between, okay, you know, we're, we're 22 and four, we're on this streak. We haven't lost in forever. And I'm like, you know, fighting it with myself. Like, I think the kids think we're getting too good. You know, I need to be really hard on them today. Cause I think we're getting a little too cocky. You know, I need to bring us down. And then, you know, then on some days, then I'd leave practice and say, dang, I might've been too hard on them today. You know I mean? We did just win by 25 yesterday or whatever, you know, and I think it's hard as, as the head coach, because it all does fall on you. And I do try to, you know, my assistants do a good job and we try to talk about things, but, um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, when you feel like your team's success is falling on your shoulders, you never want the season to end. And you think I, you let up on them on the end because you finally, at the end of the season, because you had some success, then you let up a little bit and then maybe you didn't reach your potential, but you also don't want them to tap out because you're just, you know, constantly on them. So for me, that's been um, my biggest challenge as a head coach. So Carrie, if you have any advice on that, please let me know. <laughs> Well, you guys beat us by 20, so um, I think you have the answers. <laughs> Thank you guys for those those responses. Um, we have time for one more viewer question. Coach Robert, you can go ahead and unmute yourself. Awesome. Thanks, Ashton. Um, my question um, 
is about social media. So I know Kira talked a little bit about it, but I would love to get everybody's opinion is how do you personally feel about your players using social media? And, you know, what, what do you think is right and wrong in terms of their use? And how do you manage that either as an assistant coach or head coach? I can start, I guess. Um, we definitely want our players to have a voice. And I mean, that's been a big thing that we've talked about, uh, you know, with the racial issues that we have, um, they need to be able to express themselves. Um, we do have guidelines though. You know, we don't want them cursing on social media. Don't like things that have, uh, curse words in them because, you know, on Twitter, you can see who likes what, um, you know, be fully clothed, like, you know, have your clothes on, um, you know, don't have any bad hand gestures or facial gestures. Like, you know, don't do anything like, you know, kind of like provocative or anything like that. Um, so we talk about that, but other than that, you know, we encourage them to use their voice, um, express themselves. And occasionally they, they will send us a picture and say, hey coach, can I post this picture? And, you know, we'll say, oh yeah, that's good or, or no. And like kind of explain to them why. Um, and they do a pretty good job with that. I mean, they're good kids and, and they're trying to understand the bigger picture and they understand that, you know, we're just teaching them how to market themselves, um, but still have an opinion and still stand firm what they believe in. But understand, you know, there's employers out there. Um, you do represent yourself. You represent your family. You represent us. You represent, you know, so much more than than just your little Instagram picture and just a few likes. So, um, I mean, they do. They're they're really receptive to it, though. So. Yeah, I don't have anything much different than what than what Kira just said. Um, you know, understanding that it is it's obviously they're going to be on there, um, but just making sure that they're representing themselves, the program, their families, um, and that they're not posting anything that they they wouldn't want anybody to see. And you used to be able to do don't post anything that you wouldn't want your grandma to see. But my grandma must have been a lot more conservative than these <laughs> new grandmas because we've had to kind of like pull back on that. So. Um, you know, I mean, just, I've talked about it a few times tonight. It's just, it's, it's taken over, you know, so they are going to be on there. So I think if they are going to be on there, we will try to follow them on there, you know, and just to hold them accountable. But like you were saying, like Twitter, it didn't used to be like that. Now, anything they like, it comes on the timeline. And I mean, they can just get crazy fast. So I think talking about it a lot and like laying the guidelines out there um, and just making sure that, um, that they understand you know, I think they see how things, how quickly things can go viral now. And it's scary. Um, so just making sure that they understand that. Um, yeah, I'll also say uh, when I was a graduate assistant, one of our jobs was to manage uh, the players accounts. So, you know, when you have someone who's doing that, even though, you know, like Snapchat, they think that is gone. Well, it's not gone. So even if they're putting something up on Snapchat that shouldn't be there, then, you know, we have someone who's right there being able to hold them accountable, even though, you know, we talk about those things with them, they might slip up, you know, they're human. So we have to stay on them and be able, um, you know, to make sure that they're doing what we've asked them to do, but just getting them to understand that they're also representing the brand. They are the brand. They are the walking and breathing brand. So whether you like it or not, when you decided to join this program, you became the brand. And so that's how you need to be carrying yourself around in the hallways and on campus. And that's how you have to carry yourself on social media. Um, and it's part of being a part of the program. It's part of being the brand. Absolutely. Yeah, the brand for sure. I remember when I was in college, it was a, 
a down and back per curse word. So if that <laughs> just gives anybody ideas, um, we, we had a few people like some stuff that got them in a, in a lot of trouble, but, um, that was the great answers. Great questions, everybody. We just kind of, um, to be respectful of everyone's time. Uh, thank you again for joining us just to finish, um, off. We, we like to focus on what we call the points of pride and just, um, coaches, if you could just really think about like, what, what is one thing that you try getting out of each day when you're doing your job, it could have been the best or the worst day, but what's something you can look back on and and really feel proud of, or if it was a bad day, really feel encouraged of, um, to go into the next day. Um, coach Hannah, if if you kind of want to start us off there, that'd be great. Sure. So, um, I think for me, it's just some type of positive interaction, um, with one of my players. You know, and I think that whether you're whatever kind of day you had or you, whether you won the last game or lost the last game, um, hopefully you can have some type of positive interaction, whether it could be an individual workout or in practice when they finally get something right that you've been talking about. Or maybe, you, you know, just, again, joking around in the office or maybe even it's a hard conversation, um, you know, that they, they might need something, you know, something's going on at home and just being able to be there for them. Um, you know, your players or even, even your staff, you know, like, you know, my assistants, you might have somebody that relocated just to work with you um, or just all the hours that they're putting in and just having a, a meaningful conversation with them where, you know, you see how excited they are about something and how invested they are, um, you know, in your program, just a, a meaningful interaction like that every single day, I think is really important. And just whenever I kind of look back, um, you know, the season, it's going to be a grind regardless. But whenever I look back when I'm really like mentally or emotionally drained, I just realize that I'm having less of those interactions, you know, and maybe I'm becoming too result driven, you know, and I'm going into the office and I'm just getting in front of the computer and watching film. And I'm just going up to the film room just in time for it to start. And then I just walk down and practice just in time to get it going. And I'm not joking around with them in between or asking somebody how they're doing. When I get home at the end of the day, I can feel that. So I think that that's something really important is just meaningful interactions with those people that you're spending all your time with. Um, I'll say that, uh, the one thing that I want to make sure that I do is grow every day. I want the team to grow every day. Um, and so when I come home and I'm thinking about the day, whether it be a game day or a regular day, that's the question that I'm asking myself. Did we grow in some way? It may have been in our communication. It may have been, you know, the player who never makes a sprint made a sprint, you know, whatever it was that day that made us get better. I'm just hoping for at least one of those things. Um, you know, one of the videos that I show my kids in our class is um, Admiral McRaven. He has a um, UT commencement speech about uh, 10 ways to change the world. And there are little tidbits about basically his time as a Navy SEAL and you know, the things that they go through every day. And there's different things you pull from that every day. And I always think about, you know, things says like never ringing the bell, never giving up. So, you know, did we give up today? Uh, you know, he says, make your bed every day, which is pay attention to the details. You know, did we pay attention to the details? So when I, you know, I'm sitting there thinking about there are a million different ways we could have grown in that one day. And I want to make sure I can pick out at least one thing that'll, you know, one thing positive that we did that day in some way that we grew. Um, that I can make sure I hold on to so I can sleep <laughs> that night, you know, I want to make sure that we did one thing good and we grew in one way at least that day. Um, 
I'm kind of similar and like, you know, bettering every day. Um, and so like, you know, finding ways that I can better our program every day and like contribute positively to the program and even better myself. Um, I'm a big to-do list person. So I always write out a to-do list and, you know, I have like my daily list and then I have like the weekly goals. So I, you know, throughout the day, I'm always checking that. Um, and then, you know, I'm going to focus a little bit because I thought Coach Hayden and uh, Coach Monsa had really good answers for like, you know, the positives. Um, but like if something doesn't go right for me during that day, um, you know, I'll be laying down trying to go to bed. I'm just like, my brain is just like stuck on something. And I'll be like, all right, Kira, you need to like, I, I'm big on prayer. So like I'll pray. And then I'm like, all right, you need to like list off 10 positive things that happened to you today because you're so negative right now before you go to bed. And it's so like, I'll literally lay there and be like, oh, I'm at four. Okay, we got to get to 10 somehow. Um, but that just kind of helps my mindset um, if I'm feeling down about something or maybe maybe we lost a game or maybe an interaction. Maybe I didn't handle a situation right or maybe I didn't get something done that I wanted to get done. Um, and that just kind of helps me kind of find peace at the end of the day and like carry over to the next day on how I can, you know, maybe make that adjustment and how I can bounce back from whatever shortcoming I may have had that day. That's really good. Um, I think each of you have your own way to do it, but those are all great things that we can take and learn and apply to our lives as well. So thank you for that. Um, we just want to say again, Aaron and I, like, thank you for taking time to share your insight and your perspective um, I think this was amazing. I don't know about everybody else. I feel like this was really good. We're getting really great feedback. Um, but if you guys could drop your contact information in the chat, um, email, phone number, whatever you're most comfortable with for um, the people that tuned in to contact you um, with questions or just want to get on the phone with you, um, if that's possible as well. But thank you again. Thank you so much for having us. And thank you guys for what you're doing. Yeah, thank yes. you so much. You guys are awesome for organizing everything and you guys have this thing running well. <laughs> yes, keep it going. You guys are doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Women in Sports. This show is all about advancing the narrative for women in the sports industry. I'm one of the hosts, Aaron Sinnott. And I'm Ashton Pills. This is a Rising Coaches sponsored show that gives women in the sports industry the opportunity to tell their stories and talk about their experiences. Glad to have you listening along. Stay tuned. Women in Sports is brought to you by Rising Coaches. Rising Coaches is the biggest coaching tree in all of basketball. We have over 1,200 members of coaches who, from the high school all the way up to the professional level. Uh, and there's three things that we focus on. Community, relationships, and development. There's no straight line in this business. There's only ups and downs and peaks and valleys. And when you're going through them, it is crucial that you have a support system and a community who has been through the fires themselves that you can lean on and help you through those tough times. Genuine relationships. We put the premium on genuine, uh, not just exchanging phone numbers and speaking one time a year at the Final Four, uh, but rather creating relationships that will last a lifetime and help you both personally and professionally. And finally, and most importantly, development. We are constantly providing resources to our members so that they can work on their craft and add tools to their toolbox. The premise is this. If you sign up and become a member for Rising Coaches for just $120 a year, the relationships and the network will take care of themselves organically so that you can focus on working on your craft 
and better serving the people that you come in contact every single day as a coach. For more information, visit risingcoaches.com and sign up for a membership today.